Hello, friends and listeners of the LeaderCast podcast. This is Mo, the producer, jumping on really quick before this episode starts to let you know that we are going to be wrapping up season one of the podcast. The final episode in season one will be coming out on April 23rd. We are going to be coming back with an even better season two later this year. Stay tuned on our socials for updates as we know more, and thank you for being an avid listener. You know, it's very hard to motivate people consistently, but once you inspire someone, it's really hard to take that flame out of them, right? So you got to inspire them by letting them feel like they do have some true buy-in. Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast, a weekly deep dive into the stories that transformed our guests into leaders worth following. I'm your host, Joe Boyd. If you've been enjoying the podcast, thank you so much for being a listener. One simple thing you can do to help us out is leave a review wherever you listen. Today's guest is Jesse Kaiser. He's a lifelong entrepreneur who's used the franchise model to build a huge brand and business for himself. He wanted to be rich and successful when he was a kid, and then he found out there's a better way to measure success. Hi, Jesse Kaiser. Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast. Uh, Excited to have you and excited to meet you today. Thanks for having me. I know that you're an entrepreneur, so am I, but you, you have taken a different path uh, through franchising. Could you tell, tell the listeners just a little bit about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I am a multi-brand, multi-unit franchisee. So what that really translates into is I own uh, locations of multiple different brands and at, in different states. So uh, right now, I've got Ideal Image Medical Spas. I've got Sport Clip Haircut. Um, salons. Those are in five states each, re- respectively, in different states, too. Um, and then OxyFresh Carpet Cleaning, we have the entire St. Louis DMA, so that covers part of Missouri and part of Illinois. And in my past lives, I've been a franchisee of Little Caesars Pizza that covered Southern Illinois and Western Kentucky. And Valpac, uh, it's a marketing yeah. uh, franchise. It's a blue envelope. Most women know about it in the suburbs because they're the ones that open it up and go through all the local coupons. I opened a dormant market in Southern Illinois in 2008 and ran that until about 2011. Well, it sounds like maybe you're the sort of person that likes variety. Is that fair? You know, I, I get asked that question a lot yeah. because it, especially in franchising, uh, these big multi-unit multi-brand operators, they try to stay in a particular lane. So if if it's food, they probably have like five different concepts and 200 locations, but it's all food. Um, And so I'm in such various things. And the advice I give anyone is when you're looking at going into any business as an owner, there's two things you really fundamentally need to understand. And if you do understand those things very well, you're probably going to be successful minus everything else. And that is understanding who the ideal customer is mm-hmm. and more importantly, who the ideal employee is. Okay. And I, I give Chick-fil-A as a wonderful example because their chicken sandwich is fine. I like eating it, but it's not <laughs> the best chicken sandwich I've ever had. Uh, so why do they have a drive through line that's three times as long as everyone else's? Yeah. Well, it's because... They hired employees that non-traditional fast food people want to interact with. They don't have a pro- – it's fried chicken. It's not healthy, right? It's right. it's no more <laughs> healthier than Popeye's, McDonald's, or Burger King. But it's the experience that the customer and the employee are interacting with each other that makes the difference. So if you understand those two things, you'll be successful. If you kind of know one and you really only know the other one – you're going to struggle a bit because you can you imagine Chick-fil-A trying to do what they do with Burger King employees? Yeah. It just wouldn't work. Yeah. I, well, I'm thinking two things. Uh, it's, 
It's a very great compliment to Chick-fil-A for their culture, for sure. We oh, have yeah. a, on our Leadercast 365 platform, we actually have a ton of Chick-fil-A owner operators. So I'm going to get all sorts of emails saying it is the best chicken sandwich. And I'm going to forward them <laughs> it, all to it's you. It's a pretty good, good sandwich. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Let me assume that when you were like in high school, you weren't dreaming of having a bunch of franchises. Maybe you were. Well, I, I always dreamed of being uh, rich and powerful and influential, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like does every kid. Um, I, I knew I wanted to be a business owner. I okay. uh, had no idea what type of business. I just um, – I had some mentors. Um, my parents are – uh, management, you know, they work for school districts or, or larger companies. They weren't entrepreneurs. Uh, so I was running into other friends, dads and moms that were entrepreneurs. And it's like, they lived in a bigger house. They had a nicer car. <laughs> yeah. They vacationed more often. And I was just like, there's a difference here. Where, where's the disconnect? And, and it really had to do with, you know, are you the employee or the employer is what yeah. I fundamentally got out of that. The, um, I guess one of the things I like in the last say 20 years, I feel like there's been, it's, it's cool to like, to be a, an entrepreneur and to start new things. Right. Yeah, um, every, every out of work dude is a entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Some of that is there are folks that are wired that they have to put their own mark in the world and create a new thing or put a dent in the universe, all this kind of stuff. Um, You've seemed to be content to – you don't have to create a new concept. You're kind of content building businesses out of concepts that already exist. I just – I wonder if you see yeah. that tension or – Well, you know, uh, I, my observation is uh, for companies to be really big and, and expansive and, and pivotal, there is a simplifier and there is a multiplier that are working together. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I give Apple – you have – uh, Steve and Wozniak. Yep. You know, Steve. Steve Jobs was the multiplier, and that's kind of what I am. Uh, what I'm interested in is taking someone's great idea and seeing how big you can make it, or how how many times you can replicate it. Yeah. And and the other Steve, he was the engineer, so he was all about simplifying the process and and making the the chips work better and faster and smarter. Um, you know, I could think of Bill Gates with his partner Paul Allen was the same way. Um, I have that with my brother. He's a simplifier. I'm definitely the multiplier. But the franchisor-franchisee relationship is exactly the same thing. A franchisor is the person that comes up with the idea, and they're supposed to help uh, simplify the process, whether that's um, you know more, more efficient marketing, better um, supply chain logistics. And then the multiplier, a guy like me, I go out, I find locations, I hire people, I train them, I manage them, I do the marketing. Um, and so I multiply their idea. And so whether it's a franchise or not, I've just experienced the the most, the companies have the most impact or, or just you're seeing amazing growth. They have a simplifier and multiplier relationship with somebody. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I never heard it that way. Most people listening know what Sports Clips or Little Caesars is, right? So mm -hmm. could you uh, – when we just think about leadership, so think not, – not the business side, just leading people. Um, what have you learned or what was your process? Pick one of those two if you would. Uh, if you're starting a new Little Caesars or you're starting a new Sports Clips. Sure. As a, in terms of the people element – as a leader, what are you thinking as you go in and build that team? Well, you know, I could tell you I've done a 180 in, in my leadership style since I okay. became an entrepreneur. So with uh, very little little leadership experience with employees, uh, my thank God my first concept was Little Caesars where it's fast food, right? Yeah. 
Um, I think most people, their natural inclination when they first get into leadership is to do more stick than carrot. Yep. Right. And how they motivate people. Uh, in the food business, you can use a stick. And uh, when you whack them hard enough with the stick and they quit or you fire them, you can step right in and you can make the pepperoni pizzas until you hire someone else and train them. Uh, and I I went through that process. But when I got into sport clips, uh, you do not want me cutting your hair. And legally, I can't cut right, your hair because right. I'm not a licensed cosmetologist. So I learned real quick that uh, to motivate and to guide these employees, I had to use pretty much all carrot. Right. Yeah. Um, and so and now going back into the fast food segment, if you're using carrot more than stick, you're going to be a great leader and a great employer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think everyone needs to know that you have a stick, that you're not afraid to use it. They probably need to hear horror stories of you using the stick. But it needs to be something that's like that was a long time ago. And this is how he talks to me. This is how he treats me. And I really appreciate how he gives me respect. Um, so I, I'm definitely a carrot guy, not a stick guy anymore. Could, could you give us examples of, uh, I think we're all, I mean, I'm familiar with the carrot stick analogy, uh, has to do with a horse, right? <laughs> like you want to, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you're going to get that, you, you say you can lead a horse to the water, but yeah. you can't make it drink. Right. Well, how do you get it to water? You can either whack it with a stick or, or right. tease it with a carrot. Right. Uh, I'm just curious, any, have you had any creative carrots? Like as you, you know, obviously the first things you can think of is, pay people more, but, uh, or be create a better culture or whatever. But what, what are the carrots that you're using, uh, to, Ooh. well, you know, um, this is where I get a little, uh, nervous calling a carrot. Cause <laughs> sometimes the carrot can be construed as like manipulation, which it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you giving people more say in how processes and decisions are made really is a strong carrot. Um, so, you know, just an example, like we're going through a process where, uh, most of my area managers uh, discovered a different report that looked really similar to the report that I've been using for the last 10 years to give out bonuses to people. Yeah. And like, well, we were, we told everyone was this one. I was like, well, let's find out what the difference is on the report. Cause it's a third party vendor that does the report. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, let's find out what the difference. She's like, well, I've got one manager that's under assumption that their bonus is going to be this. And I was like, you know what? Their bonus is that. That's not the issue, right? Uh, this isn't about me trying to save a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars for a bonus. It's about just being really consistent and having them know where the report comes so they can run it themselves and they can see how they're doing. I don't have to be the guy giving them the good news or the bad news. They can just check on their own. Um, so, I mean, that's that's an example of getting using the carrot more than the stick is getting people so they can come to you with their own ideas. When when they internalize something, they own it. Yeah. And at that point, you don't have to do anything but just give them guardrails so they don't run off the, the cliff in, in the wrong direction, right? Other than that, it, it's so much better to uh, – how would I say this? It, you know, it's very hard uh, to motivate people consistently. But once you inspire someone, it's really hard to take that flame out of them, mm, right? Yeah. So you got to inspire them by letting them feel like they do have some true buy-in. Uh, I love that. And that's not manipulative at all. It would be manipulative if you said that, but actually we're never going to do what they brought to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, but, but, but yeah, my, right. my, and, and, and to be honest with you, I'm probably the most ambitious, lazy person you've ever met. <laughs> oh, so man. I love to delegate. I love to train <laughs> and get someone else to do everything. If I could figure out how someone else could tie my ties and lace my shoes up, I would just have them do it. But uh, I, I, you know, another saying I've heard, and I just tell everyone, if you want to go somewhere fast, you do it by yourself. But if you want to go far, you got to do it with others. Mm -hmm. 
I've been fortunate enough that because I'm that ambitious, lazy person, I've always had to have other people with me doing some of the heavy lifting. And so I just realized they can lift more. They can lift it better than I can if I give them the opportunity to develop some skills and capabilities to do so. Love that. When you were younger and you knew you wanted to be successful, what dragon do you think you had to slay to get where you are? And uh, how how did that come about? What was the thing standing in your way? I definitely had a, a couple internal dragons that demons that those are usually I needed. the biggest ones. Usually, yeah. yeah and you know what? I, I can I can look back and uh, do a like an autopsy on, on the the old Jesse and. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that uh, just how I viewed relationships mm. was much different than I do now. In fact, the only thing I really care about now are relationships. I, I mean, I want good relationships with my employees, my friends, my family, my customers. If I have a good relationship with my customers, even though I don't know any of them because based on our businesses, I just don't interact with them. Yeah. But I still want them to have a good relationship with my brand and my employees. Yeah. So the relationship is probably the most important thing on how I value it. You know, and like I say this, I've got really supportive parents, um, but they weren't entrepreneurs. And I remember I was working for a, a dot-com startup like in, in the late 90s. And so I'm like 23, 24. Uh, I'm making like 180000 a year. That's a lot of money to a yeah. kid that age, especially back then. And, uh, you know, my dad just, you know, he's giving me what he thinks is the best advice possible. And he's like, you need to put that in a Roth uh a Roth uh, IRA, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I was like, well, I'm like, I hear you, but I'm going to start a business. I'm saving up. And I've listened to what you've told me all these years. Um, I've already graduated college, so I can't pull it out for that. Mm -hmm. I just bought my first home last year. Can't pull it out for that. So the next one is when I turned 65, right? And I was like 24. Mm -hmm. It's like, that that's not happening. I'm like, if I put it in there, I'm going to get penalized when I pull it out. And, you know, so th- he wasn't very excited about me going into business. I had a great job. I was making more than he was. He was really proud of me. And I think he was just trying to protect sure. me and not make yeah. a mistake. But, you know, those were some of the things where the, the the people that would chirp in your ear. And, you know, I lived way below my means for so long. I still do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as I've made more, I, I get to enjoy life a little bit more, but I still live in a house much smaller than I can afford, mm-hmm. as an example. And I just remember uh, some old fraternity brothers were like, you know, you're not making that much money or you wouldn't have bought a used Corvette. I'm like, dude, I wanted that particular year. <laughs> you know, there was a reason for that. And yeah. I bought that for my 25th birthday. So uh, it was just interesting how people were like, you know, you're not doing that well or whatever. I, I even had one friend that told me I, I probably don't make a lot of money because I sell $5 large pizzas. And I was just like... Oh my God, dude, you have no idea what, what's going on here. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, the, the doubters, you know, were always a tough one. Um, when I first opened up my first Little Caesars, we opened up in markets where there was a Little Caesars seven years earlier before I came to town and it closed because a lot of them closed at one point. Yeah. And everyone's like, you know, they, uh, they closed because they don't do delivery. I'm like, yeah, we're not doing delivery. And they're like, you guys are going to close. Okay. We never closed, yeah. you know? <laughs> And then when I got in the sport list, we are like 99% male clients, right? Mm-hmm. A woman comes in, wants a haircut that looks like a guy's haircut, we'll happily do it. But we don't we don't have the things in our salon to do women's haircuts. Right. And I just remember people going, you really think you can make a good living only doing men, men's haircuts? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's called a barber shop. I would, I would think so. Yeah. So just all, every single time, there's, there was always someone like, are you really sure you think you can do that? And, you know, and th- sometimes these are my friends telling me that. And sure. I don't think they're saying it to be mean. I think they're they're concerned, you yeah. know. Uh, but as you get older and you become more successful, your your friends change. 
you get new friends and then some of your friends change with you, which is great. That's a great journey. Uh, so I don't hear that anymore, really. I, I, I Now people are like, oh, yeah, you probably do great at that. You know, I, I get that kind of stuff. But that was a big demon in the very beginning. I yeah. felt like I was all by myself. Um, I didn't have family that supported me other than my brother. I didn't have anyone that was saying you should do this, you know? Yeah. So it was totally my own, own doing to do that. As you've built your businesses, have you, have you bumped into any 23, 24, 25 year old kids that remind you of yourself? You're not a kid. If you're listening to this, I know you're a grown up. I would, I would say this to anyone that's listening. That's at 20 something year old. Yeah. Um, if you're like me and you didn't come from money, you know, mm. you're just middle-class guy or a working class. The only way I see anyone ever becoming wealthy is through sales. Mm-hmm. Is the only only job you can take where your employer doesn't dictate how much you make. You dictate how much you make. Yeah. Um, and, and to give you an idea, so I told you I was making 180. The next sales rep maybe was squeezing out 60. Yeah. I mean, it was just night and day difference. But I mean, what I was doing to get those sales and how many more hours I was willing to put in and, and get things done. And how much I was looking at creating my own processes and refining them to, to make the close dates quicker. Uh, it was I had an exit strategy. I wanted to get the hell out of that company. Not that I didn't enjoy working there. I just knew I was never going to be a partner. Yeah, It was just not a, a, not a thing. So I had the end goal of I need to raise X amount of money so I can open up my first franchise. I'm curious. You're obviously a very success-driven guy. And uh, interestingly, not all great leaders are. There's We can all have drive in different directions based on our sort of personality and what we're striving for. I'm curious, because when you said when you were younger, it was like the house, the vacations, the the freedom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that that's still there, but has, when you think about the future now, does success have a different definition for you than it did when you yeah, were Yeah. And it, it goes back to what I value the most now is relationships, yeah, right? Yeah. So at, at, from this day forward, my goal in life is to have as many as, to have relationships be as wide and as deep as possible. So with as many quality people as I can get my hands on and then as deep down in the quality of that relationship as possible. And th- that's it. So there's a lot of times I'll do things uh, for other people and try to help them out. And it's, and they're like, okay, well, let me, let me give you a finder's fee or something. Like we're friends. Like that's not what I, I just want you to be successful because if you're more successful and we're still friends, I've got more successful friends, right? And that's what I want. Yeah. So um, I believe that relationships are like bank accounts. And if you just spend most of your time putting in deposits, when you really need to make a withdrawal, it'll be there. Yeah. I agree. And that's the advice I, I give all my young managers is like, you need to make deposits in the relationship with all your team members, because some point you're going to make a need to withdraw. And if you've not made enough deposits, it's going to be, you're going to, you're bankrupt. Yeah. That's awesome. I yeah, I love that. And I, I've tried to live by that myself. Now, I really, really appreciate your time today. It, it's been uh, your like lived, your lived experience is so, is so different than mine in, in, in your path, but it, it's, it's been great to kind of learn from what you've been through and to apply that. I'm sure the listeners feel the same way. Uh, some folks might want to get in touch with you. They just resonate with you or maybe they want to sure. help you launch a franchise. Who knows? So if folks want to uh, get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? You know, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn. I'm on all the social medias, Facebook, um, Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Kaiser, K-E-Y-S-E-R. I'm, I'm pretty easy on a Google search to find with podcasts like this or articles I've uh, contributed to. 
Uh, and I, I'm always interested in meeting other uh, entrepreneurs. I will tell you one of the things that I'm really excited about, reason why I reached out to you initially, yeah. I was asked to be the chair of the multi-unit franchise conference that's going to be in Vegas March 19th through the 22nd. Okay. Uh, Jim Collins is our keynote speaker. Yeah. Uh, if you are in franchising, you're interested in franchising, this is the franchisee conference to go to of the year. Great. It's, there's um, well over 2,000 attendees. Uh, there is going to be vendors there that are franchisors that you can meet face to face. There's going to be other guys and girls just like me that are on panels speaking about their success and their failures. Uh, that's the other thing I've noticed. The, the more successful I acquire, fr- the more friends I acquire, they're successful, I should say. Yeah. The more I hear about their failures and their successes, they want to talk about their failures. Yeah. And it's not like, whoa, me, but they genuinely say, this was a reflective point. I learned this from it. I hope you can learn from this so you don't have to have that failure. Yeah. Um, and I try to share those things too. Like I talked about, if I could go back and do that all over again, I would totally do that different, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because uh, there's, I've got relationships now. That I, there's nothing I would trade for, right? And I'm just thinking there was some really good people in my life in my 20s that I burnt bridges with because it was convenient to burn that bridge versus to keep it going. So that would be one advice I give anyone that's listening: is don't burn bridges. You know, if even if you disagree, just respect that yeah. their opinion is different, yeah. and you don't have to annihilate them with the facts that you have. Because I was really good. At <laughs> you don't that. have to be right. Yeah, Jesse, it was, man, it was really fun to meet you. Maybe I love to go to Vegas. I'm there all the time. Maybe I'll maybe I'll come find you in March. Uh, I would love that. Yeah, it's at yeah. Caesar's Palace. Okay, uh, you've got my contact information. So uh, if you ever uh, want to meet up, I'd be happy to introduce you to a lot of people. I love it. You're officially in the Leadercast family now. Thank you so much for being a part of this, and we'll talk to you later. I really appreciate it. Thanks. In today's ultra competitive job market, top tier talent are leaving companies in search of top tier professional development. Now more than ever, you must invest in your emerging leaders. LeaderCast 365 is a world-class professional development system featuring access to three annual LeaderCast events, a post-event journey to activate the inspiration and insights gained from LeaderCast events, plug-and-play lunch and learn programs with group discussion questions, concise video courses to address weaknesses and build upon strengths, and our library of more than 1,200 short-form videos from a slate of industry experts organized into 16 key professional development categories. Invest in your all-star employees and attract new top talent to join them with LeaderCast 365.